0: us here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center, my name is Dave Everett, our wife Sherry, is joining us right now, and uh, we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on The Believer's Authority by Andrew Walberg. and we'll be in Chapter 14 again tonight, How Does Revival Come, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website, <coughs> excuse me, again, all our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. As well as our YouTube channel Lighthouse Discipleship Center and we want to say thank you to all those who have uh, supported us with their uh, tithes and with their offerings in case you're wondering how to do that you just go to our give page and you can give anywhere from the world and uh, online and then if you want to mail us a check make payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center our mailing address is on the bottom of every page so that's how you can do that okay uh, also, a lot of people want me to reach out, or connect, or have me come speak to them uh, uh, in their country or whatnot. We're not traveling right now, but we are willing to do some things. But, in order to do that, we need to talk first. Okay? We don't talk through Messenger, we don't talk through WhatsApp. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. We're not trying to be mean, but at the same point in time, uh, if you go to our website, if contact us on almost every page. We have our email at the bottom of every page. And uh, so all you got to do is uh, send us a little note, send us an email, and we will start talking. <coughs> so there's just some questions I have and there's some things I need to get cleared up. And, you know, if I'm going to speak to your, your group, I need to get familiar to a little bit. Okay, uh, so uh, I'm not saying no, but I am saying please contact me the way I want to be contacted. Okay, and so so we can talk first and so we can get some things set up we can put it on the calendar and then we can go forward kind of where that with that so okay and we're gonna also talk about how we're gonna do it when we're gonna do it and all those different things okay so I'm not saying no but uh, I there's a certain way where I need you I need you to contact me okay I have one reason we don't use Messenger, and that's not the only reason, but one of the main reasons we do. I have hundreds of messengers coming through almost every minute of every day. I I, I am not going to try to challenge uh, to cipher all of that. I just don't, it's just, it's just impossible. You don't even understand the volume that I get. There's all sorts of other reasons for that as well. But uh, anyway. So, just reach out to us. I'll put our email on here in just a minute once we get started. We're we'll going to be talking about how does revival come? And we've we'll been talking about the believer's authority. You know, a lot of people, in, in context, the last few few weeks, we've been talking a lot about prayer. How does praying for the lost uh, uh, relate to um, the believer's authority? What authority do we have in praying for the lost? How does that work? We've talked about that. And in talking about that, we're talking about how does revival come. And, you know, and that's very timely right now because a lot of people are talking about revival. Okay, yeah, this was a big subject when I was in high school. We saw the revival in our high school, but we're looking at a, a worldwide revival, a great awakening again. <coughs> Excuse me. And how does it come? Well, that's what we're talking about. We're in the middle of the chapter. We talked about some things how it does not come, how we are not a mediator. We're not Moses, we're not in the Old Covenant, Jesus is our mediator, but how does revival come? And that's what we're talking about, and we're going to be picking up in the section in our book, all the revival you can handle is the title of this section. So we're, we have about three sections left in this chapter, and then we're going to be talking about believing and receiving, and how it relates to the believer's authority. So anyway, uh, we, we get you... So, you want to say before we get started?
1: No, I just encourage uh, anyone who's missed uh, anything to listen to previous um, Bible studies. Just so you can get up to, to speed on all of this. But I appreciate uh, Andrew's clarifying uh, not only about revival, but about basically revival starts with us, but he also went into, uh, which we spoke about last week, was in the Old Testament. There were mediators between God and men, uh, like Moses, for example. But uh, when Jesus Christ came, there's only one mediator now. And that is, I'll just uh, quote 1 Timothy 2.5 that Andrew has here in the last section. There is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Jesus forever stood in between a holy God and an unholy people. He paid for our sins on the cross and took upon himself all the wrath and punishment due to us from God. Jesus took care of all that on the cross, and the reason why God emphasizes now in the new covenant that we only have the one mediator is because only one sacrifice could do this, and that was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, who came uh, to redeem us, and uh, if, any, if we all get a hold of that, uh, that will cause all the revival we can, we can handle, but I know we'll get more into uh, revival in this section.
0: if I look at not paying attention I am I'm actually responding to a lot of people who are responding on our message
1: if you go out and raise someone from the dead you'll have all the revival you can handle but Andrew you can't raise a person from the dead unless you already have revival I disagree God isn't holding back the flow of his spirit we are it's the body of Christ who are clogging up the pipes and keeping God from flowing. What you need to do is work on your pipe. You need to work on yourself, saying, Father, please forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for not doing what your word says. You said that we're supposed to go and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. I've been asking you to pour out your spirit and do these things without me. I've been pleading with you to move sovereignly. Please forgive me for that. Then you get up, take the word and start meditating on it. Once you see on the inside, with the eyes of your heart, blind eyes and deft ears opened, demons cast out and the dead raised, then you'll start seeing it manifest in the physical realm too. You'll have revival. If you start seeing the sick regularly healed, they'll begin breaking holes in the roof to get to you, like in Mark 2, 4. If your shadow healed the sick it touched, like in Acts 5, 15 and 16, there would be so many people crowding around that you'd have all the revival you could handle. I'm a revivalist. I am seeing people revived. Blind eyes and deaf ears opened, terminal diseases healed, demons cast out, the dead raised, and people born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. All around the world, i am seeing millions of people's lives being changed. But I'm not asking God to do it. I'm praying, Lord, I know you desire revival. Please help me to be the vessel of your love and power that I need to be. I yield myself to him, praying and fellowshipping with him, allowing him to transform me by his word and his presence. Then I go out and speak the word of God. I command healings and miracles to manifest, and I'm seeing revival. People are being revived. I receive emails daily from Asia, Africa, and Europe testifying how different people have been revived. They're changed by God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not because I'm begging God in some prayer closet. He's not up in heaven with his arms folded saying, Beg a little harder. Get another hundred thousand people to pray. And unless you all fast twice a week, I won't do it. No, it's not like that. God is in heaven with his arms out trying to release his power saying, Is there anyone who will believe me? Is there anyone who will stand up and start speaking, living, and demonstrating my word? If you will do that, you'll have all the revival you can handle. You'll see people's lives begin to change.
0: This is awesome. If we can understand this, if we can comprehend this, I mean, I'm hoping this is not just a Bible study that people are just liking to, you know, but they're not hearing what we're saying and what, 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 uh, Andrew's saying to the study and what the God is saying through his word, you know, so many people have, are asking God to bring revival, and that's not how it works, okay? Now, let me just reread a couple of things Sherry just read, because if you go out and raise someone from the dead, you'll have all the revival you can handle. Um, but Andrew, you can't raise a person from the dead and under... under unless you already have already have revival I disagree God isn't holding back the flow of his spirit we are it's the body of Christ that is clogging up the pipes and keeping God from flowing what you need to do is work on your pipe you need to work on work on yourself say father please forgive me for my belief forgive me for uh, not doing what you told to uh, for not doing what your word says. And this is the part I really want to get to. You said, we're supposed to go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. I've been asking you to pour out your spirit to do these things without me. I've been pleading with you for more, to move sovereignly. Please forgive me for that. Then take the word and start meditating on it. And once you see it on the inside with the eyes of your heart, Blind eyes and deaf ears open, demons cast out, and dead raised, then you'll start seeing it and manifest in the physical realm too. You'll have revival. You know, through our own teachings, through our own ministry, we're seeing lives being saved, lives being transformed, people filled with the Holy Spirit. Revival is taking place. It might not be on a, a national level, but If we are reaching people in many nations right now just through these live streams. (coughs) One of the biggest points I want to make, and I believe Andrew's trying to make in this, we're talking about believer's authority. What authority do we have to play when it comes to revival? We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. God already told us in his word what to do. Go heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleansing lepers preach the gospel with signs and wonders following. He, anything, he said in Mark 16, these signs will follow those who believe. We are to preach the word of God and we are to demonstrate the word of God. We need to stop asking God to heal the sick and we need to go heal the sick in his name. We need to go lay hands on the sick. We need to go raise the dead. Freely we receive, freely we give. Revival will be if we start... Getting off the pew and start being the church, and start taking the church in the highways and the byways, and start preaching the gospel, start demonstrating the gospel. You start healing people on a regular basis through the word of God and the name of Jesus. You will have all the revival you can handle. You start raising the dead. You will have all the revival. If we start doing, <coughs> excuse me. If we start doing what God has told us to do as the church, we will have. All the revival that we can handle, we're not pleading God to do that. If we, if we get a hundred people, two hundred people, a thousand, a million people praying for revival, what happens? It doesn't happen because we pray for revival. It comes because we do what the Bible says we're supposed to do. Okay, the Bible says we're supposed to pray for laborers. The Bible says we're supposed to be laborers ourselves. We're supposed to preach the gospel we're in season and out of season. We need to go do what God has called us to do. My job as a pastor, our job as pastors, bishops, evangelists, apostles, and uh, prophets is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the measure of the full stature of the Lord of God. Our job is to equip you to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely receive, freely give. Revival comes when we Use our authority and start preaching the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Revival comes when we do what God has called us to do, what Jesus has commissioned us to do, what we have been ordained to do. Uh, It doesn't happen because we sit on our pews and pray for God to do something that he told us to go do. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I love how
1: how uh god how how things works out god laid on dave's heart to uh, have a a sunday morning series on four of the prayers of paul and this last sunday and i encourage you to uh, listen to this series on our on our website or youtube but dave has made a point uh, that we're not supposed to live for god we're supposed to let him live Through us and a lot of people like wait 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 you're you're supposed to live for God well here hear us out in a sense yes you could say that it's not wrong but most of us and I'm pointing the finger at myself too we tend to live for God in a religious way if I do this then God will perform if I do this if I fast if I pray then God will, will bless me. Then God will answer my prayer. That's not how it works. And uh, I don't want to get into a teaching on prayer and, and fasting. If you've been with us for this Bible study, you know, you've heard Andrew's heart. You probably have heard us through the different Bible studies on what the right, uh, a better way to pray. Is and also fasting doesn't move God it moves you to to do the will of God that it moves you to meditate on his word and and uh, I don't want to get off tangents on on preaching which I usually like to do uh, when something strikes me but we are if you read the scriptures if you read Paul's prayers uh, that Dave's been speaking on in uh, Ephesians, uh, he's going to go into um, uh, Philippians and Colossians uh, in the in the weeks to come. But we have a part to play. God not only dwells in us, but he His power is in us, and we need to release His heart, His power. It's not us. And our own power healing the sick or preaching the gospel it is Christ through us only God heals through Jesus but he's commanded us to take what we've been given like Dave quoted a moment ago and freely give it to other people it's Christ in us the hope of glory it's Christ in us his power that raised Jesus from the dead in us that is to flow through us to minister to other people, to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, uh, preach the gospel—all of that—it is Christ, but we are the vessels. And I really encourage you to listen to this series, because uh, even Dave was talking about vessels, uh, us being vessels in his message. And uh, I want to keep it to the Bible study. But I, I hope you're you're hearing it, and I hope I'm making sense and being clear on this. Revival does start with us when we receive Jesus, when we receive His Word, when we transform our uh, when we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. When we realize it's Christ in us, when we realize that that it's only the gospel that is going to. Uh, Bring life and hope and transformation to people You know we share we we share that we want You know when when Dave and I Went to Karis Bible College our testimony. We walked away with Was we want other people's lives? Transformed by the gospel like he has transformed us it's been amazing and we so desire to see people's lives changed but only god and his life that he he gives can transform people's lives for the better we i I really hope you're you're hearing our heart and i I, again I, i hope i'm being clear we want christ to live through us the Holy Spirit to live through us God's power to be through us so that we can raise the dead heal the sick uh, Andrew um, in some of uh, the, the conferences that we've gone to uh, of Andrew's and even in his teachings he'll, he usually uh, ever so often will, will say that someone had approached him and said you know how come I can't raise the dead and you know, you've done it. Why can't I and Andrew asked well, how many people have you prayed for to be raised from the dead and the, the the I believe it was a gentleman who said well I haven't prayed for anybody to be raised from the dead and Andrew's response was, well, there you go You haven't seen anyone raised from the dead because you haven't even had sure. you, you haven't even tried and yet, it's so clear in the the Bible, that that's what we're supposed to do. But a lot of us, including myself in the past, have sat down and waited for, for God to move, for God to do something. God has done something. He sent his only beloved begotten son, Jesus Christ, to the cross for us so that we would have eternal life, so that we would have... Uh, relationship with God so, so we can be redeemed so we we can have life so we can be blessed and have life more abundantly. I mean there's so much that God did through Jesus Christ, our healing uh, salvation I mean everything good that the kingdom of God that's in heaven God gave us through his Son Jesus Christ and he wants us to have that. But unless we receive, which we've talked about in in previous Bible studies, unless we're the the willing vessel that God can move through, we're not going to see that. We're not going to see revival. We're not going to see the blessing and favor of God in our lives if we're just sitting back. God wants to use us. He wants to not only indwell us, which he does with every believer, but he wants us to be his hands and feet he, he wants us to be the body of Christ that ministers one to another that ministers to the world that shares the gospel uh, I mean look at at Peter and Acts you know his testimony he denied Jesus uh, before Jesus went to the cross he put his foot in his mouth so many times he chopped off someone's ear uh, and yet after Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and Peter realized that Jesus loved him anyways even with all his past faults that Jesus forgave him and when he realized that Jesus Christ truly was the son of God he got up and he preached the gospel and 3,000 lives were saved that day and the church grew from that that's the power of the gospel.
0: Amen. Amen. So, you know, about the gospel is too, I mean, we talk a lot about uh, healing the sick, raising the dead, whatnot. You know, I know a lot of you reach out for money and whatnot. Uh, You know, God's your provider. You know, Jesus used a a boy's lunch to feed the multitudes. God used the the widow's oil to to pay off her debts. Uh, God had uh, had Elijah go to a place called there and the ravens came and fed him. I mean, we have scripture after scripture after scripture of God providing people's needs supernaturally and whatnot. He is your provider, not people, okay? Uh, Now, can God use people? Will God use people? Oftentimes, He will. But for us to solicit for people to help us, that's not the way the Bible tells us to do it. That's not how scripture works, okay? Are we supposed to help one another? Absolutely. But... it, our faith is not in people. Our faith is in God. If your faith is in people, then your faith is shipwrecked. Okay, and so when we talk about the gospel and how we talk about revival coming, you know, if if you if you took a boy's lunch and, 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 and multiplied and fed the multitude, you're going to have revival in your community. Okay, because people are going to see that this meal came from God, not man. Okay, I see one thing we're trying to teach here. We we're not trying to. Give you one meal. We're trying to teach you how to feed yourself for the lifetime. If you take these truths that we're trying to teach every week, and you apply them to your life and to your village and your community, you can change your uh, community around, even economically. I believe that with all my heart. Because I see it in the Old Testament, I see it in the New Testament. And I can, I mean, I can spend hours and hours teaching this. Okay. And, <coughs> excuse me, we need to do what God calls to do. We need to trust him. We need to rely on him. And we need to, if you, if, you know, if you don't have enough money since whatever you have, multiply in the name of Jesus. Jesus did. He told his disciples to. And he told his disciples when they could not. This is a whole other teaching. He called out a hard heart. And, you know, when we do not expect God for the miraculous, that is a hardened heart. And we can use the miraculous to reach the world for Jesus. And so, when we're talking about how, to, if you start seeing the miraculous happen, you know, God just multiplying uh, the the widow's oil, for example, or whatever, or Peter casting the net on the other side of the boat, the nets begin to break and the the boat begin to sink. That was Peter's payday. That was his livelihood. That was his vocation. Uh, fi- a, he was a fisherman. Okay, fishermen catch fish. And when he caught such a buttload that his boat began to sink and the nets began to break, that was the biggest payday he got. You know, he could take all those fish and and sell them or whatever he's gonna do with them to do to, to meet the multitudes. <coughs> and so, don't limit God. Okay, stop reaching out the. People. <coughs> Excuse me. stop reaching out to people stop reaching out to us for money and start believing God and change your life and change your circumstance and you'll, you'll see revival come you
1: know we've, we've talked before uh, I'm sure more, more than once about blessing your field that that can be your family your, your home your business your job your car whatever it is that uh you have your hand on and you know i want to encourage you to to do that you know we are to trust god with everything including finances uh man does not live by bread alone but by every word out of the mouth of god if when we not if when we trust god amazing things happen um Wow, amazing things things happen and I and I I know this is this Bible study is about believers authority not about financial stewardship but Andrew does have a Bible study financial stewardship that is amazing scares a lot of people because it they think it, it has to do with money but the Bible study is really about trusting God and it's like this much about trusting God and this much at the end about finances, about tithing or anything to do biblically about finances. and uh, it, Even Andrew's own testimony is, is pretty amazing about he's, uh, he's, he's basically stopped asking God for money because he trusts him so much. He knows. Like in, in Matthew six thirty three. That God will provide everything that we need. You know, even King David in the Old Testament said that God, God does not um, have his children beg for bread. He, he provides. He takes care of us. Uh, but we are getting off, off to- topic. You know, the gospel is amazing. The gospel is powerful. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And when we ourselves... Uh, receive that I mean uh, we can't we can't hold back you know when you share the goodness of God it's, it gets people thinking and then it gets people uh, after they get thinking about it they they start stepping out and trusting God and then they have revival uh, in their own lives because they're hearing the gospel you know it, it's, it's a big deal yeah.
0: You know, in, in one sense, when people ask for a prayer for money, or even for healing, you know, I, I, my prayer for you as a pastor is that you get a revelation that God is your healer, that God is your provider, that you uh, get a, because if you understand that God is your healer and God is your provider, that He's already provided it through the cross, then you can have healing, provision, anytime, everywhere you need it, and you can... Also minister to other people to receive healing, provision, and direction anytime they need it. Because once you know how to how it works, you don't just have to pray at once. You can get it, receive it all a single time. Okay. And so, I'm not going to pray that God will do something that He's already done. I'm going to pray that you get a revelation to receive what God's already given. Okay. So I want to I want to get back into the study here. And I want to finish this, at least this chapter, we got about a half hour left, so we're going to read here in a second if you're ready, Sherry. Yes. Uh, Diana of the Ephesus. Now this might be a little different than some of you have heard. We're still talking about how does revival come, but hear what Andrew has to say about this Diana.
1: The way many people are praying, it seems like we have no influence, no authority and no power to make God's kingdom come to pass here on this earth. We just approach him like a beggar. Oh God, please move, please have mercy and please touch us. That isn't accomplishing anything good. It's just making us bitter and angry, wondering why hasn't God moved? How come he hasn't poured out his spirit? Why is God allowing this to go on? Why did he let this person die without first being saved? God isn't letting this happen. He isn't the one allowing our country to go to hell in a handbasket. God didn't make America basically a a post a a post-Christian nation. It's not God who hasn't poured out his spirit. The problem is his people who have been begging him to do what he told us to do. We haven't taken him at his word. We haven't been operating in our authority. We've shirked our responsibility by trying to throw it all back on God. This isn't the model we see in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus never told us to plead with God to heal or pour out his spirit. You can't find an example where the Lord conducted his ministry that way. The Apostle Peter didn't either. There's no example of the Apostle Paul ever asking his people to intercede and tear down the stronghold of Diana of the Ephesians. This temple at Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the world. They had over 1,000 priestesses who had physical relations with the men as they came into worship. As you might guess, the place was normally packed with people. Paul didn't try to do anything political. He didn't organize a church to pray, begging and pleading that God would stop this idol worship. They didn't get together and do spiritual warfare, binding and rebuking Diana of the Ephesians. What did Paul do? He preached and demonstrated the gospel. Paul told them, Diana of the Ephesians isn't anything. This statue didn't fall from Jupiter. Diana is no God. There's only one true God, and his son is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul did the same thing in Corinth, another Roman city known for multiple idols and immoral worship. He preached the truth and God used that truth to set people free. Paul didn't organize intercessors to cover every zone in the region. He didn't have people do spiritual warfare or spiritual mapping. These things that are being done today by the church in an effort to try to change our nation are not what Jesus commanded us to do in the Word of God.
0: This is powerful, if you understand what we're trying to say and what Andrew's teaching here. You know, a lot of what people have done is what called intercessory prayer, what people have done in the name of trying to bring revival to their nation, to their community, whatever that may be, to the world. You know, we never see one example in the New Testament with Paul, Peter, James, John, none of the apostle writers, (coughs) where they were. They gathered the church to pray. They gathered the church to come against the evil going on in the world. There was a lot of evil going on in the world. The Roman government was wicked. Much of the religious government was wicked as well. They killed Jesus. And so, at the same point in time, you know, they never had prayer rallies. They never had a concerts of prayer. They never had all these different things. Did they pray? Absolutely they prayed. I'm going over four prayers of Paul on Sunday mornings right now, and so they prayed, but they, but they, what did they do? They focus on preaching the gospel. They didn't. <coughs> excuse me. You, you you will never see Paul, Jesus, James, John ever praying uh, uh, for for God to do something, for God to do this or that. They're praying that that. We would understand the gospel, and that we would preach the gospel. They're never asking God to pour out revival. They're never having prayer meetings and intercessories of prayer and whatnot to to ask for revival. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm talking too fast. But they pray for boldness to preach the gospel. They pray that we would. They pray for laborers. They pray for that we would um, preach the gospel in season and out of season. They prayed, but they prayed that we would get a revelation of the gospel ourselves, and that we would just begin to minister that gospel to wherever we go. Uh, there's so much I could expand on that. I don't know if you have anything to share.
1: You know, and Paul uh, brings it down uh, in one of his letters about what the gospel is. We we can usually quote the, the Romans one sixteen uh, <coughs> verse. <coughs> That Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God into salvation But he also breaks down the gospel that and, and Dave uh, Himself uh, clarifies it this way that it is the birth death burial Resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ That's it in a nutshell. Jesus Christ came to be born of a virgin to walk on this earth to grow up to be a man to go to the cross on all of our behalf uh, and, and get crucified for us get slain the perfect Lamb of God uh, the one sacrifice that could re- redeem mankind back to God he, he was he, he died on, on the cross he was buried and then three days he was raised to life. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in us uh, as as a believer. And not only did he raise uh, from the dead, uh, but he ascended on high to heaven and is seated on his throne. He is Lord. That's the gospel. And when you break down... The word salvation and you study it out it doesn't mean hey you get a ticket to, to heaven whoo no salvation is yes we're going to heaven praise God but it's healing and deliverance and wholeness and uh, prosperity I feel like I'm, I'm leaving something out uh, of, of what it means deliverance wholeness salvation healing prosperity that abundant life that Jesus gave for us you know when you read the Gospels and you hearing it that the kingdom of God is here that is part of salvation That is part of the authority that the believers authority that is part of an abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give in heaven and you can start making a list and meditate on it there's no sickness uh, there there's prosperity there's no lack uh, there's joy there's there's peace I mean really you could just sit down and write everything that that good that is uh, pertain to God and God through his son brought that on earth for us I mean The gospel encompasses so much but it's all focused on Jesus Christ and what he did and what he's given us he didn't say hey Sherry you jump through these hoops you pray so many times you fast so many times uh, you wear sackcloth and ashes uh, you go around saying woe is me I'm such a horrible sinner Uh, if you, you do it good enough you know maybe I'll you know throw you a crust of bread no, God doesn't work that way. He didn't say, if you perform right, Sherry, then I'll send Jesus Christ to the cross for you. If you if you humble yourself enough, then maybe Jesus will heal, heal you. No, no. Jesus, because of God's tremendous love for us, he said, hey, I love you so much, doesn't matter what you've done, I am sending my son to the cross for you because I love you so much he has given us this eternal life as a gift of salvation as a gift with no thought uh, no obligation on our part uh, for for us to do anything for God God just saying here yeah, I love you it's your choice I've given you free choice but look what I have for you I've spread out this banquet green table that you know this banner over you is love Here partake and eat, you know this this is my body broken for you Here take you know, I I did this for you because I love you so much and I, I mean how, how? What better news I mean you, you can't get I
0: mean, the gospel is defined as good news. There's no gooder news than the gospel. You know, I just want to, again, piggyback on everything and also what I tried to say earlier. It's just, I can't say this enough. One thing I want to reread here. In the New Testament, you, Jesus never ta- told us to plead with God to heal or pour out here His Spirit. You can't find an example where the Lord conducted His ministry that way. The Apostle Paul didn't either. We have never made. there's not one scripture where jesus says we're to pray for the sick he says to go heal the sick okay big difference okay you're not again you will not find one scripture where it says we're supposed to pray for the sick we're supposed to he but we are commissioned to go heal the sick we are commissioned to go preach the gospel we are going to minister one another freely receive freely give we don't have to plead with god to do something that he's already done we don't have to plead God to pour out His Spirit when He already poured out His Spirit upon all flesh at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is not the one who's left. We have. The Holy Spirit is here. God said He'll never leave us or forsake us. For us to pray for God to come is for us is for us not to understand what He already said, that He'll never leave us or forsake us. Okay? Okay. It's, Paul said it this way, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Paul, God is here. He's in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the household of God. And God dwells His fullness. Of His fullness we have received grace for grace. John one one sixteen. Know His love that surpasses knowledge He will be filled with the fullness of God. Ephesians 3.19 I'm filled with God. You are filled with God. Believe it. Receive it. The second thing I want to highlight is that this last paragraph, not all of it because it's a little long, but Paul told them Diana, uh, Ephesus is anything. In other words, there was this goddess Diana was a big deal. I mean this this whole I got it was <clears throat> this whole temple, this whole thing. Uh, the Diana Ephesus was one of the wonders of the world, and. But Paul didn't focus on it. Paul didn't preach against it. He didn't talk about it. He didn't mention it. He didn't even give her any allegiance, any attention. He just preached the gospel. Okay? And um, there's a lot of wickedness going on in our world, both in America and many of your countries. We're not supposed to call it and necessarily speak against these things. We're supposed to preach the gospel. People need to know the truth, and the truth will set them free. (coughs) Paul did not waste his time. Paul did not waste his money. Paul did not waste his prayers. Paul did not waste his energy casting out things. Uh, He he magnified God, not Diana. He magnified God. And we need to magnify God. We need to magnify Him. We need to preach the gospel. We need to make disciples of all nations. Stop worrying about the world. The world will be the world. Preach Jesus. Heal the sick, raise the dead, do what God has called us to do. And revival will come. Revival came to Ephesus. Not because he cast out Dinah. Revival came to Ephesus because he preached the gospel. And so this is just, this is powerful. I mean, if we will just do what God, Jesus, Paul told us to do, we will see revival. Okay? And so, it's as simple and it's as complicated as that, okay? And so, anyway, this is a powerful. Anything you want to say before we uh, read this last section?
1: You know, it's, it's just amazing. You know, we're, we're talking about, hey, we're just preach the gospel. You know, don't focus on, uh, like, Andrew's example of, of Diana of the Ephesians and, you know, this, this warfare that a lot of the church has been taught Um, I mean please hear my heart I'm speaking this with all love and grace it hasn't worked the way the church has been taught for the most part to do spiritual warfare if something doesn't work why continue to do it if if you're doing the same thing and expecting a different result uh, there's a quote uh, well th- that's not the point the point is even in Acts when basically that, that was the greatest revival the first greatest revival Peter and Paul and the Apostles proclaimed the Word of God they proclaim the gospel they Preach salvation, that, you know. I mean, starting in Acts two, and, and I mean, you could just read Acts and see they preached the gospel, signs and wonders followed, and there were great revivals happening. You know, I, I mentioned earlier about you know Peter preaching, and then three thousand uh, were were saved just just from that that one message of Peter's, but but you, you keep on going. I mean Peter and John uh, healed the lame man and when the, the people saw that, they started, uh, you know, wondering, you know, how, how did this happen? You know, this, this man, he was lame for years. Now all of a sudden is, is jumping around so joyful, praising God for his healing and the people were, it says that they were filled with wonder and amazement. And that led Peter and John to be able to preach the, the gospel to them. And, you know, talk about revival. I, and I love the verse in Acts 4. And with great power that, that excuse me, Acts 4.33. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and Great grace was upon them all. You know, I love that We can't have the gospel without the resurrection of Jesus if it wasn't for the resurrection uh, if he just died for us It, it wouldn't have accomplished Really anything but he, he died and he rose again and that I mean that just proclaims the power of God that that just says right there uh, how awesome our God is that he didn't just, just do one thing and it didn't work he completed the work and uh, man, great grace for all of us who come to know the Lord Jesus Christ
0: Amen. I mean, it's, it's so profound and uh, uh, you know, I used to teach I, I used to teach and believe and do everything I'm teaching against now, and so, so I'm not saying this to get anyone's case, I'm teaching this because I, I found a better way, I found a way that works, and, uh, and I just don't do what I used to do, and what I used to teach anymore. Let's read this last section though, I actually read it out, there's it actually two, a uh, small one, but the New Testament example. In
1: the New Testament, the believers went out and preached the word everywhere. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following, Mark sixteen twenty, They proclaimed and demonstrated God's word. As they preached the truth, the Holy Spirit bore supernatural witness to that truth. So many people repented and converted to Christ that the temple of Diana in Ephesus fell into disrepair. The people forsook it because they turned from her to God. Diana of the Ephesians hasn't even been a factor in 2,000 years until the intercessors resurrected her a few years ago with what they call spiritual warfare. I'm not trying to be mean; I just want to challenge your thinking with God's word. Show me in the New Testament where we are to send people to foreign countries to do nothing but pray and tear down spiritual strongholds. Show me in the word of God where it says we should send people on mission trips but forbid them to preach the gospel saying, don't witness because you might get censored, punished, or persecuted. That is what is being done today. We are spending millions of dollars to send people to foreign countries just to let them walk around and pray. You can't find a scriptural model for this stuff. You might be able to twist and pervert a verse or two, but if you just take the word at face value, reading it and believing it as is, You can't find examples of this. What you can find, however, is scripture where believers prayed for boldness. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Acts 4, 29 and 30. Paul asked his friends to pray that he'd be bold to speak Despite his challenging circumstances, praying for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. That therefore, there excuse me, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Ephesians six eighteen through twenty. The early New Testament believers prayed that they would be bold, faithful witnesses, despite opposition but didn't ask God to just sovereignly pour out his spirit on unbelievers without them preaching, demonstrating, and doing their part. There simply isn't a scriptural example for that. Basically, that's the reason the church isn't having more of a salt and light influence on our generation. We aren't really following the New Testament example. When Jesus gave power and authority to the church, it came with responsibility. We need to use our authority to preach God's word. We need to speak the truth to the people the Lord has put in our lives. As they receive that truth into their hearts, their lives will be changed. Many people have rejected the preaching they've heard because it wasn't the true gospel. It was just powerless religion and lifeless tradition. It was just condemnation and judgment. That's not the message of the gospel. We need to preach the good news of salvation by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The
0: gospel is the power of God. Romans one sixteen. You know, this is so uh, so powerful, so real. And uh, I, w- I just w- wish I could download what's in my heart and my mind, and so you could receive this. But I'm going to reread some of the things that Sherry just read here at the end. You know, let me start with this better that. The early church believers prayed that they would be bold, faithful witnesses despite opposition. You know, a lot of people are trying to do everything they can to preach the gospel without any opposition. We are never promised that we're not going to be have opposition. In <laughs> fact that you are if you are going to preach the gospel, chances are extremely high that you will have opposition. Okay? But they didn't ask God to just sovereignly pour out his spirit on unbelievers without them preaching, demonstrating and doing their part. We're not supposed to just pray for people to be saved and we don't go preaching and the gospel. <coughs> if we preach the gospel, are people going to reject it? That is that is possible, and people have that right to reject the gospel. But we don't have the right to reject it for them because we only pray for them and not willing to preach the gospel. Do them. okay? Um, the, the, uh, he says, He goes on. He says, "There simply isn't a scriptural example for for this. Basically, that's the reason why the church has." Is having a, uh, isn't having more of a salt and light influence on our generation. We are a foreign New testament example. We're supposed to be the light of the world, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. You know, <coughs> excuse me, we are supposed to help people, we're supposed to preach the gospel. And he goes on to say how when, when Jesus gave power and authority to church, it came with a responsibility. We have to preach the gospel, we have a Authority to preach the gospel. We do not have authority to just pray for revival and do nothing. We have responsibility to pray for revival, but more so, we're praying that God would use us, that God would use others to preach the gospel. Okay, we as it, we we need to use our authority and preach God's word. We need to speak the truth and the to the people the Lord has put in our lives as they receive the truth into their hearts their lives will be changed. Many people have rejected the preaching uh, they've heard because it isn't the true gospel. It was just powerless religion and lifeless tradition. It It was just condemnation and judgment. What he's saying here is that some people think they've heard the gospel, but it was nothing but condemnation and judgment. There was nothing but religion and traditions. Jesus said, by your traditions, you make the word of God of no effect. I don't have time to go into all of that right now. But when I say we need to preach the gospel, some people have a totally different definition with what the gospel is. Sherry reiterated what I teach all the time. The gospel is basically, in the simplest form, the death, resurrection, the death, excuse me, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we need to preach the truth. The Bible is good news. We need to, the gospel is good news. We need to preach good news. But his goodness will lead people to repentance. We need to preach Jesus crucified. Paul preached Jesus crucified. We need to preach the gospel and see people saved. Will people reject it? True. Will people oppose us? True. Will people, will things happen to us? It may, okay? But we're supposed to preach the gospel. And if we preach the gospel and someone hears it, their life will be changed. You know, we're preaching the gospel. We're trying to three times a week online. There's a lot of people who are receiving it. There's a lot of people who are also rejecting it. There's people who turn us off. There's people who do things. There's people who have said things. Through the years, there's people who have threatened us and hurt us and hurt us deeply. You know, that's sad. That's, that's horrible. But we preach the gospel. Okay? I can't guarantee that you're all going to listen and respond positively. But that's your prerogative. That's your choice. But uh, but there are people who are gonna listen, and even if just one person hears the truth that we're trying to preach, and it changes their life, everything we're trying to do was worth it. Okay, and so um, we're gonna preach the gospel. That's what we're about, and. Uh, um, we're praying that God will raise up believers. We're praying that God will use you to reach your countries and your village and your communities with the gospel, hearing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, providing for them supernaturally because God is your provider. Anyway, you, you know,
1: as we uh, get ready to close out uh, since it's 8 o'clock, you know, just, just listen to, to Romans 10, verse 8, uh, down to, to 17. Just Paul kind of just puts it in a nutshell. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now please listen to, really really listen to verses 14 through 17. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who brings glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul, in a nutshell, basically says what we've been trying to communicate uh, this whole Bible study. That yes, uh, you need to confess with your believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that, that Jesus is, is Lord um, and you'll be saved. Uh, that God has raised you got to believe that God has raised him from the dead. But it also says, How can they call upon the name of the Lord if they haven't heard? And how can they hear the gospel if we don't preach the gospel? It, you know, it's Faith comes
0: by hearing, and hearing by, by the word of God. Amen. It's just so powerful, and there's so many people on responding to on so many different platforms. Uh, teachings tonight, so that's why it looks like I'm distracted. But uh, anyway, because Facebook's not the only place where our teachings are being shown, where that, m- most of you are. But anyway, uh, God bless you guys. Uh, we will see you on Sunday as we continue our teaching on the four principles of Paul. I'll be teaching from Philippians this Sunday and the prayer of Paul prayed to the church the of Philippi. All right. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. All right.